Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club and get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the show is co-host... Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? Doing well, Richard. Happy Monday. How are you? Happy Monday. I'm I'm doing well considering it's a Monday. Um, uh, the real question is, how are you feeling uh, otherwise? Uh, for those who, do, who don't know, we normally record on Sunday nights. Uh, Jack's feeling a little under the weather, so... Um, yeah, 100% to blame for the uh, the delay on, on my part, for sure. Uh, fighting off a little bit of a chest cold the last week i've been uh, <clears throat> hacking quite a bit so apologies in advance for any sniffles coughs or anything or just my general vocal quality i'll try to uh minimize that as much as possible but uh we're here now we're ready to go looking forward to getting into it and you got a little bit of that shaft vibe going on tonight so i like it <laughs> <laughs> all right on uh so this past week uh or you know after thanksgiving we had the whole um holiday shopping you know black week on Chaka online store. Did you get a chance to pick up anything yet? Um, it has not arrived, but I did, I did place an order for some new, from new swag from the, uh, the Schalke us store. So I'm looking forward to, to that shipment. Oh yeah. Right on. And, uh, I too, I actually picked up something else. I picked up a winter cap. Uh, it's not too, uh, much unlike the one Burke wore last year when he was showing off the ugly sweater. It, that should be coming in the mail anytime soon as well for me. Now, you may be wondering, why are we talking so much about the Shaka store and the Shaka in general, uh, besides this being a Shaka podcast? Um, but for those of you who don't re- didn't realize, um, our podcast was actually retweeted by Shaka on Twitter. Jack, uh, we got some news for some folks, don't we? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, the uh, Some of the folks over at Shaka have uh, reached out to us recently. Um, in the hopes of uh, collaborating a little bit, getting a little bit of a partnership going um, to help uh, spread the gospel of Schalke to the to the great United States and elsewhere as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully we have some, some exciting things coming down the pipeline with them. Um, we'll have to wait and see. I don't want to, you know, reveal everything before it takes place a little bit, but uh, definitely, definitely exciting times. That's right, and so not only um, will they help help the podcast, you know, spread the word, spread the the gospel, if you will, the Shaka gospel, uh, but we're in turn going to also help out Shaka and shed light to some of the events going on, like the Atlanta three v three tournament coming up in a couple weeks' time, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later. So yeah, it's a very exciting times now for us at the Shaka podcast, as we said, uh, Shaka retweeted us, uh, tweeting out to us uh, the other day too, so. Yeah, it's a good times right now to be not only a Schalke fan, Jack, but uh, on the on the podcast here. Yeah, good times to be a Schalke podcaster. <laughs> Very small club. <laughs> yeah, it's a club of two right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> At least on the English speaking side, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, very good. You know, whether you're here to hear about marauding runs by Caligiri, wink, wink, Jack, or tactical breakdowns of Domenico Tedesco, uh, we're here to give you all the scoops. Uh, we want to give a little shout out to Matt Fisher. Please give this brother a follow on Twitter. Uh, he needs all the love he can get. It was a fun, fun little tweet by him. Uh, back and forth by all of us, really. Yeah, one of our one of our listeners called me out for uh, mispronouncing Daniel Caligiuri's name. Um, apparently, bravo, sometimes bravo. I, go, I sometimes go hard G on that. Um, if any of you are tuning in, um, expecting to hear flawless pronunciation of various names, uh, you are listening to the wrong podcast. I can assure you that uh, we will do our best to uh, to get those things right uh, going forward. Obviously, but uh, you know. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, you will get the uh, Americanized versions of the uh, some of these names, <laughs> but it is what it is. Before we get into some of the news, uh, last week's five goal thriller uh, was a long time coming, Jack. Um, it's not too often we get five goals. In fact, the last time we scored five goals, you have to go all the way back to 2013 and a five four win over Hanover. So it's been a while. It's been five years coming, uh, but uh, uh, we'll take them as often as we can get them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. All right. First up on the news, and really the only news bit we have uh, this evening, other than obviously the Schalke news, the collaboration there. Um, This one comes off from the Washington Post, and the article is titled, Porto defeats Schalke 3-1 to win Champions League and win the group. Or win the Champions League group, I should say, not the whole thing. Um, Who knows? Uh, so yeah, really, this the whole article is just talking about the match, and so I wanted to get the time to to talk about the game um, real quick. Three um, one was the final score. Um, a lot of Shaka fans were not too happy with the performance in this one, Jack. Um, I saw it differently, but uh, I'm curious, how did you see this match? I mean, myself included, uh, if if um, at least with that contingent of fans that didn't like the performance you know going into this one we were you, you heard quotes from from Heidel and a number of people with the club saying you know we're not just going there to go through the motions we're, we're going away to Porto to try to pick up a result um so there was some you know really positive confident talk heading into that match and I don't really think the performance reflected that at all I thought the team was pretty poor um very definitely a disappointing result in terms of scoreline but also in terms of the performance and um I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm selling Porto a little bit short. I, I just I really don't think they're that great of a team when I watch them. Like they 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 just don't blow me away. And so the fact that we weren't able to uh, get that win at home against them in the, the you know the first leg, um, and then you know this performance away, it's just especially frustrating because um, I just I, for some reason I feel like we could have done better. And that, and you know, I, th- I feel like we had a chance to win this group, um, and I'm disappointed that we weren't able to do that. But um, obviously, before this match even kicked off, with the result uh, with Galatasaray, yeah, and uh, Moscow, we were guaranteed to go through anyway. So this this game lost a little bit of its meaning. Maybe that played into the performance of the squad. I hope not. But uh, either way, we are advancing from the group into the next round. So that's you know, positive thing, a great achievement for us back in Europe for the first time. I mean, uh, not their last year, obviously, but back in the Champions League for the first time in a couple of years, and uh, to advance out of the group is uh, is exciting, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, that that news uh, before match uh, when Moscow with the surprise win over over Galatasaray that that was certainly welcoming news, and yeah, I hope you like you said, hopefully that that didn't uh, take into account how the guys performed. This game was certainly interesting one. While I agree with you, Porto are not anything special. They are quite good at home. Uh, they feed off that home crowd there in Porto uh, quite well. I thought this game was interesting because I, 
I see where the fans are coming from. Some of the goals, like the first goal, right? The first goal was a header. You had two guys, two Porta players in the middle of the goal, in the middle of the box, unmarked. You had four, maybe five Shaco players in there, not marking anybody. And so and so Meli Tao gets a free free header, scores. Fowerman had a heck of a game, but he can't do this all alone. Yeah. And so he did what he could, but I mean, there was no chance from five yards out in a free header like that. Yeah, there's basically two contingents of, of Schalke players that were just absolutely parted like the Red Sea. And I you know, I think it was more than two. I think it was three Porto players that were yeah. almost completely unmarked, or at least in front of every single one of the Schalke players. Um it was just shocking defending on that particular play to let in the first goal. Um yeah, you can't be doing that against uh teams in the Champions League because you're gonna be facing probably a better team than Porto. Uh, next next round, um, and uh, that's not going to fly. Yeah, and you thought that defending was uh, bad in that goal. The next goal, I mean, Oliver and the rest of the gang, they uh, they completely shredded the defense, and it was really bad goal given away. I thought it was a cheap goal that they scored. Cheap meaning we should have done a lot better defensively. There's no way they should be scoring an easy goal like that. Um, so there's 2 nothing there. Of course, the, uh, the score stayed the same, even though they were getting tons and tons of shots. The score, you know, stayed fairly close to two nothing. Bentaleb get a got a penalty kick towards the end of the game, makes it two one. So it, looked, it was pretty close. And then in the third or fourth minute of stoppage time, um, Nastasic trying to get push the you know push the limit, turns it over, and they get they end up getting a, a breakaway goal, and they're not going to miss that three uh, one. The scoreline was flattering, but when you look at it, the way everything played out, Porto really you know dominated that game and had every right to win even even Tedesco after the game says you know we were deserving losers in this one because we didn't we didn't show up and and it's true you watch a game and it is they look flat in the game for whatever reason and uh yeah it's it's head scratching but hey like you said we're moving on and uh looking forward yeah i mean i'm surprised we even got a penalty because it seemed like we weren't even in that area of the pitch with the ball yeah the one time you get this it. game yeah exactly um yeah, just yeah, very disappointing result. Uh, not a great game from Nastasic. Made that error on the third goal that you mentioned. Um, pretty bad giveaway that led to a you know easy finish. And then I forget where he was on the uh, on the first goal, but the second goal as well. He got turned by his defender and let the guy run in off his right shoulder. Um, so he was somewhat involved on that one as well. And he uh, he needs to uh, he needs to improve those performances too. Uh, we yeah. we really need Sane and and Nastasic um, to to show up in a big way and be those rocks to the back for us in the Champions League if we want to have a, a chance of advancing further. And then in that first goal, Nassasis was one, was one that group of three that was just staring at the three Porto players free by himself. So so there you go. There you go. There was a bit of news in this one after the game. Um, starting in the round of 16, VAR will be included. And I'm just screaming. I'm, I'm thinking two things I'm screaming. About time. And two is, where was this in the group stages? Because Schalke could have won the group, possibly, had it been included. But at least it's in it now, and it's important. This may be in Shaka's favor here because Shaka tend to get a lot of VAR calls in their their way. Dude, I don't. I don't know though. I mean, like, I guess my initial reaction is is good because I I think I like referees having the ability to look at these things rather than not have the ability to look at them. But I mean, just look at this game against Hoffenheim, which we'll get to in a minute. I mean, it, very questionable calls in that game. So I mean, VAR doesn't necessarily yep. guarantee that the right calls are going to be made. Um, I, I guess it's potentially an improvement, but um, Schalke has not seemed to be on the right end of those decisions this year. So uh, I mean, I, I can't necessarily assume that's going to 
change in the in, in the Champions League knockout stages. Yeah, that's a fair point, and uh, we, we'll see. How, this is first time for VAR in Champions League, so you know there's going to be kinks. I mean, it's not maybe they're going to have help from the Bundesliga and other leagues that use VAR, but uh, always when they, they try out something new in a tournament, it tends to not go so well. Other than the World Cup, this, the World Cup VAR was actually phenomenal, I thought. But we'll see how the Champions League goes. Other than that, let's go with a quick rundown for today's show. We just talked about that Champions League match against Porto. Um, we're going to go into the Hoffenheim match, of course, and then we're going to preview the Revere Derby. Jack, no fun and games today. Um, let's just get this show on the road. Mercy. Mercy for me, letting me escape this one without a quiz. I appreciate it. <laughs> you got it. All right. Uh, so this one for game would be taking place uh, in the Rhein-Neckar Arena in Sinsheim, Germany, um, home of Hoffenheim, of, of course. Um, this would be a battle of the laptop managers, volume three. Heading into this game, Hoffenheim were sitting in sixth place, while Schalke were in 14th, I believe, heading into this one. Uh, is that right, Jack? Uh, I believe so, yeah. And this one, it was a return of Rudy, so to speak, uh, to Hoffenheim. This time, the first time in Schalke colors. I didn't. I didn't realize this, but Rudy played 195 games for Hoffenheim, scoring 11 goals and 26 assists during that time. I, I could have sworn it was a lot less times that he had been there, but maybe you know he was there since he was younger. And I just didn't realize it. Yeah, that seems high for me as well. That's weird that we were both so wrong about that. But uh, yeah, definitely spent some some good years at Hoffenheim and uh, was was very well regarded during his time there. So let's get into the. The talking point of the the beginning of the match, I should say at least, it's funny that so much talk between both these man, these laptop managers, and how the formations they like to use. Predominantly, they use a three four three in their history, but this one uh, Nagelsmann came out with a three five two, which is slightly different from what he normally uh, puts out there. You know, as we mentioned, Tedesco pretty much emulate. He, he came from the Hoffenheim system, kind of emulates his style from from Nagelsmann. So the way Hoffenheim came out of this one, Bauman was in net, Bikacic, Vogt, and Adams were the back three. Uh, Kajerbek, Demerba- Demerbay, Grilich, Kramerich, Kramerich, excuse me, Zuber, Belfoldil, and Jolinton. Kramerich in particular, he's been in pretty stellar form, Jack. Uh, four goals and f- four goals in the last four games heading into this this matchup here. He is uh he's been on fire pretty much since I mean he was he's, he was good before the World Cup but in the World Cup he kind of hit another gear and he's been uh, taken off this season. Yeah, and in previous seasons as well, always always a danger man. Um, definitely someone to look out for and somebody that uh, I think you and I were keeping an eye on heading into this one. Some other players who were on the bench that were worth um, keeping an eye on were Reese Nelson, English international, Leonardo Bentancur, and of course Adam Salai, former Chaco player. What did you make of? Of Nagelsmann coming in on three five two, was it too? Were you kind of, was it something not not too different from what you were expecting, or was it just uh, were you were you expecting a three four three like I was? Well, it's funny that he did that because that's kind of what we've seen from Schalke quite a bit um, this season and last. So it was funny that uh, you know Hoffenheim ended up going with that, and Schalke didn't end up going with that. Definitely not what we expected. No, not at all. Uh, speaking of Schalke, so they came out. Well, let's, let's read the lineup. Uh, Farman and Nett, obviously. Daniel Kalajiri, Sane, Nastasic, and Ochipka in the back. Bentaleb, Rudy, Serder, and Schopf in the middle. And then you had Bergstaller and Haji Wright, the American uh, 
Gets into the lineup in this one, Jack. Uh, first, a word on Haji Wright making the starting lineup in this one. Yeah, big. Um, once again, a, a large number of injuries um, up top for us right now. And Bolo, uh, Toyker, uh, Skripsky, who had just come in because of the injuries. Now he's out with an injury as well. So uh, definitely lacking some depth at the moment uh, in terms of available players. And uh, Haji Wright taking advantage of his opportunity. Um, you know, playing playing well for Schalke two and, and and getting called up here and getting his first Bundesliga start away at Hoffenheim definitely a big moment for him and a, and was a big opportunity. Um, we can talk later about whether or not you think he, he took that, but um, obviously this is a uh, <laughs> American biased podcast, so uh, I think you and I were both very excited to at least see him get a get an opportunity to start a Bundesliga match. Very cool. Yeah, and we talked about this last week. You know, we were curious what he, how he would do in the in the Bundesliga. Last week, he only got a couple minutes of of time. Uh, so this week, going to start from the beginning. We got a a chance to see, you know, what he what he could bring to the team. Um, it's got to be nerve wracking in your first game. It probably would have been a little more comfortable for him if McKinney was in the lineup or something, maybe. But yeah, we'll we'll get to how he did later on. Um, but it's it's good to see him in the, in the lineup. Uh, it's certainly um, a welcome sign uh, as an American as as we are. But also for Schalke, just to have some a young, younger player, another younger player, get into the lineup. He's only 20 years old, so Schalke's always built their their team about young players and, and building them up and let them get the pitch time, becoming the players, the big, big players. I mean, look at Leo Isani now; he's he's one of the best players in the world just because he got that start at Schalke and started young. So it was good to see. Now the formation is what I want to talk about really is yeah. this one because it you and Abel Mezaros were kind of going talking about how it's really looked like a 4-4-2, right? So what did you see from the lineup that Chalka put out there? Well, yeah, the lack of the lack of Ronaldo or Stambouli certainly suggested that we were going with um uh, a back four uh, which is which was definitely the case. We were trying to figure out how the rest of it would be deployed. I, I, I guess it was kind of a, a diamond to some extent, and a pretty narrow one at that. Um, I wasn't entirely sure watching that game exactly what shape they were holding, but that was that was kind of you know what generally is. Sebastian Rudy tended to um, drop deeper and be the deepest lying midfielder, and then um, you know Shuft and Serdar were a little bit wider most of the time, and and Bentaleb was more central. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, when I say the Chup and Serdar were wide, they they weren't particularly wide all the time. We still had Chipka and Caligari um, bombing on quite a bit, uh, despite the fact that this was not you know that normal um, three center back situation. But they still got into advanced areas, and um, yeah, interesting, interesting look. I don't think that we've seen that from Schalke this season, um, maybe if ever under Tedesco. I can't recall last season if we saw this exact kind of setup uh, previously. Um, but definitely interesting, yeah. Especially seeing uh, whenever Shep is kind of um, in in more of a uh, a tighter central midfield role, that's always interesting because he tends to be um, sometimes played as sort of a wing back or a right, straight right. out winger or just you know like a wide mid. Um, but yeah, Serdar Bentaleb, uh, Rudy getting another opportunity after I thought he was uh, pretty poor last week. So uh, what did you make of it? Yeah. I could see how you guys thought it was a four four two. Um I looked at it more as what personnel was out there. And with the personnel that was out there, I kinda really thought it was a four five one because the the guys who you had possibly as a striker, Hodge right, yeah, he could be a striker, but he could also be used as a winger. Like we like Mbolo's been used as a winger before. So I kinda thought it was maybe a four five one that had the possibility to morph into maybe like a two seven one in attack or a three six one because Shaka does like to have those wing backs uh you know, run up top, and when that happens, usually the you know th- the three defenders that are back there stay back, 
or you know really got two wingers going up and then leave the two center backs to themselves. So uh, I thought it was interesting, very attack minded formation. It appeared at least. Um, I, I I totally see how the four four two can uh, how you guys saw that because that's what it, that's what it looked like at least on paper. So, uh, but it was interesting selection by Tedesco going with a. It seemed like a more attacking formation in a way with the this but just by the personnel that was out there. Yeah, definitely. So looking at the bench uh, on this one, uh, Alexander Nubel was on the bench. Weston McKinney, who came in in the 70th minute for Serdar. Hamza Mendel was on the bench also. He came on in the 86th for Benteleb. Kona Plianka was on the bench. Stambouli, who would come on in the 70th for Haji Wright. Amin Harit and Naldo completing the bench. Before the game, uh, friend of the show, Phil Bonney, uh, who called the game, Jack, he said this before the match, and he wasn't really too far off in his predictions. He said, "This is, and I quote, my fear is Shaka will park the bus and hope for a penalty to be, to, a penalty to be converted by Nabil Bentaleb. Eh, it's not too far off what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Phil, uh, ne- next time we have to, uh, next time Phil's going to be on the call for one of the Shaka matches, we need to uh, send him a tweet and, and let him know that his prediction needs to be that Shaka's going to win like 5-0 or something, because clearly he's uh, a little clairvoyant in that respect. So Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely an interesting prediction from him. It played out almost exactly that way. Yeah, and uh, he he got the penalty part spot on with Nabil Bentaleb. So we'll get into that one in a little bit. So the game started out pretty quickly. Hoffenheim early with a corner kick. Fairman was forced to save. It was uh, Zuber with the excellent shot that uh, I'm glad Fairman was ready for it because uh, that was an excellent shot early on in the match. Yeah, sometimes you get you get a you know a strong effort like that right off the bat that requires um you know some serious coverage from the keeper and you know they're still asleep or they haven't got into it but Fairman was all over it um immediately which was great to see but uh yeah great effort from from Zuber I mean if Fairman really had to make an excellent save to keep that one out that would have been <laughs> not an ideal start if that had if that had gone in right off the bat and a theme that you kind of brought up this uh, previously about the referees not necessarily having the greatest of games an example of that was in the fourth minute. Kalajiri uh, in the offensive end, tripped in the box by Bikacic. Um, no penalty was called. Uh, they, did not, they did not go to VAR. Was this a good call to you, Jeff? Uh, Jeff, Jack? <laughs> um, so here's the thing. I, I don't recall ever seeing a replay of that after it took place. And so I'm not really comfortable saying one way or the other what I really thought happened without getting you know a couple of different angles of it and a better look. But uh, live, it certainly looked like there was some contact that brought Caligari down. Now he wasn't really in a super you know dangerous position within the box, but that doesn't exactly matter. I mean, if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. Um, so uh, interesting no call. I would have liked to see another angle. Maybe I'll have to go back um, and, and rewatch this because maybe there was one that I just missed. But um, uh, did did you end up getting a closer look at it? Yeah, so I, I I recorded this game, so I, I kind of just went back um, from live time and went back, you know, ten seconds, and it looked like Bakacic just got a, just enough on him to trip him up. Now it wasn't the the worst foul in the world. He he did make some contact, but uh, I could see how it could be called, and I can see how it could not be called. Um, it was a close one. I guess good on the referees for not calling it because I mean, really, what VAR is supposed to be there is a you know someone in, in Cologne is supposed to be watching. If they if they think it's a penalty, they're supposed to call back the referee. But it, you know, in live time, it certainly looked like a foul. Um, it would have been interesting to see had they call a penalty in that game, how the game would have changed. Uh, no call in that one, and so the game would, would continue. And we uh, that man Zuber, who we mentioned uh, just a couple seconds ago, um, he was back at it. 
Uh, he had a brilliant, brilliant shot, Jack. Um, I mean, the curl on this thing was amazing. It clanks off the bar. Nothing Fairman or anybody in the world could have done anything about it, but it just it waits the last second to dip and hits a crossbar. Uh, what a shot by that guy. Yeah, another another really good effort from Hoffenheim early in this one. Lucky to keep that one out as well, getting some help from the post, as you said. Um, very bright start from Hoffenheim. They they were playing fast and, and aggressive right off the bat. They were really, um, I mean, the whole team was uh, was pressing hard, and we're lucky that we, we you know we were able to kind of see out that first ten minutes or so, or whatever it was of, of uh, Hoffenheim pressure, because uh, they they were playing excellently out of the gate. And I think that's what we kind of expected. I know, I don't know if it was um, Heidel or Domenico Tedesco uh, pre-match that said, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're expecting to be tough on the road. They had one more day of rest because their Champions League game was on a Tuesday and Schalke's was on a Wednesday. So I, they, I feel like they were expecting it. And Hoffenheim certainly brought it. I mean, the first 10 minutes, like you said, it was all them. I mean, I don't remember really any any entry points by Schalke in the, in the opening 10 minutes. It just seemed to be a one-sided match in this one. Um, it took probably uh, 11 minutes before Schalke finally crossed the midway line. Schoff uh, giving it to Caligiri, who one time to pass to Bergstaller. Um, he gets around Folk and forces Oliver Bauman to make, make a save. At the end of this, it kind of looked like it could have been offside. So had it been a goal, it would have been interesting to see what, if they would have called it back. But uh, other than that, I mean, the combination play between the three players, I thought it was, uh, it was excellent, actually. Yeah, once again, um, good stretch here the last few matches seeing uh, Caligari. I mean, not so much the Champions League one that we just talked about, but the last couple of Bundesliga matches of Caligari getting into wide areas and providing service, that is huge for us. I mean, when, when he's doing that consistently, it just adds a completely different dimension to our game. Um, yeah, good good move from Bergstahl gets a shot off. Um, I mean, honestly, we'll, we'll probably get to a couple other ones. I, I think Bergstahler didn't take his chances particularly well today. Um, probably should have done better on a couple different occasions, but um, you know, at least, at least this was a, a good moment to uh, start balancing the game back out after that that brutal start from Hoffenheim. Yeah, I mean, a couple minutes later, it, it's exactly what you're talking about. That combo again of Caligiri and Burksteller struck again, or Caligiri fed a pass to Burksteller. His header goes just wide. Another opportunity missed by um, by the Austrian. Schalke, though, they, like you said, they were starting to adjust uh, to all the pressure that, that Hoffenheim were putting, mostly by putting pressure on the defenders of Hoffenheim, it looked like. And once they started doing that, implementing the press, um, it kind of started balancing the game out a lot more um, and even slightly t- towards Schalke advantage. Well, I mean, Hoffenheim was pressing pretty high th- themselves. Um, uh, like whenever we had a goal kick, it seemed like they had players pretty much all the way up to you yeah. know, the keeper's box, essentially, making it very difficult for us to to build out of the back. And we all know um, how uh, sketchy Fairman can be in distribution. So that wasn't a, necessarily a bad strategy uh, from them. But um, I mean, despite some of that, it was still a pretty pretty open match in the beginning. There was a lot of um, opportunities at, at both ends. Yeah, and really, if you look at the first quarter hour, you can see the the kind of um, how much dominance Hoffenheim was having in the beginning. Fifty nine to forty one percent as far as percentage goes, but shots were seven to two at that point. But that's when Schalke started. They weathered a storm, obviously, and started pressing on their own and, and getting back into the game. This game, once Schalke got into it, um, it seemed opportunities were still going both ways, but there were no really major threats. But the guy who came to play for Schalke and who I thought ultimately was the best player of the game for Schalke is Ralph Fairman, the captain. Uh, in the 27th, he was put through, to, put through the test. And 
it was a through pass by I forget who, but it, it almost found Cramerich. Uh, luckily, Fireman was quick thinking, got out there, got in the way. The rebound somehow shoots out over to Demmer by. Um, he he takes a shot, saved point blank by Fireman. It went to Jolinton. He makes a point blank save in quick succession. That was great, great reaction by Fairman. That's why, why why we think he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Yeah, I mean, so you know, part of being a great keeper is obviously being able to um, <clears throat> make a save. But something that can separate um, a great keeper from you know a phenomenal keeper is the ability to uh, react after a first save and make a second save. Right? Is, is you know after you stretch out and, and you know dive and, and get something, the ability to get back to your feet and get back into position to make a save if there's a rebound or something like that. And then Fairman put that on on full display here. Absolutely saved a goal, no question about it. Was this more a was this was Schalke caught napping in this? Because it seemed up to that point, uh, the fifteen minute mark between the fifteen minute mark and when this happened, the twenty seventh, Schalke was pretty into the game and they were on top of everything. But it just this play right here, it's kind of like indicative of what happened all year long. Is that they were caught napping and then just like that, you know, the other team gets the opportunity to score quickly. Uh, a little bit. There was some of that all match long to a little bit of an extent in terms of. Um... Not exactly 50-50 balls, but there were just some opportunities where it seemed like our reactions were just slightly slow. And I don't know if that's like, you know, sleeping through a match or anything, but um, definitely weren't quite as sharp and on top of things in, in, in immediate as Hoffenheim were for a lot of this match. So chances missed, uh, we were just talking about, in particular, Burkstaller. Um, another opportunity where he, he, a good opportunity where he misses. Uh, it was in a Chipka corner kick that was uh, flicked on nicely, actually, by Nabil Bentaleb to a wide-open uh, Burkstaller back door. He misses the net. Another another opportunity squandered in that one. I thought that was for sure a goal. Bentaleb rose nicely, got a, got a header on it. I'd have to watch it again. I, I think it was intentional. Um, I think it was an intentional flick. I'd have to I'd have to see it again to double check to make sure that wasn't uh, just a missed shot or anything. But uh, regardless, it falls to Bergstaller and he's he's got a score. End of story. Sorry, I mean it's a really good opportunity. He has a decent amount of space between the keeper and that and that back post to sneak it in there, and he just he just plain misses it wide. He's got to take advantage of that. That was a, a, a gilded opportunity to take the lead. This game, you know, will continue to get more and more even. I noticed during the gameplay that um, something that struck out to me is that I'm watching the gameplay and Hoffenheim has possession in Schalke's end, and then I look to the right, and you see you see Oliver Bauman near the halfway line. He was playing super high, kind of like Neuer, uh, Neuer does. I thought that was kind of strange how high he was playing. But then you lo- look back later in the game, and you see Fireman doing the same thing at, at times too. So, But uh, it just struck me. It was so weird to see him near the halfway line while Hoffenheim's attacking. Uh, it's, we saw a little bit of that last year, I think, with Radetzky, or, or I forget who it was. But yeah, maybe it's it's you know taking advantage of Schalke sitting in their box and then trying to get an extra player with with passing ability up there to help out with offensively. I thought both keepers were excellent today. Bauman made a, a number of excellent yeah. saves himself. Um I mean regardless of of who you thought was the better team in this one um I mean there's there's a couple different ways this game could have gone you know if if, if all of the chances had fallen for Schalke we could have won this game by a couple goals and vice versa just the the goalkeepers came up big time and time again. And you talk about Bauman being significantly out of his box. You saw that there was, uh, I don't know exactly when this was, but there was a, a lob to Haji Wright at one point in this match um, where he yeah, was yeah. basically going to be 
he was still pretty far out from goal at this point, was, but was going to have a lot of open space in front of him. And, and Bauman came out of nowhere and took this away, and he was way outside of his box. So um, definitely uh, alert and, and kind of playing that sweeper role and uh, definitely made an impact in the game. Yeah, and that, uh, that's good heads-up keeping. I mean, it's really what stands out, you know, average goaltenders from, from, from good ones. In this game, we had two good ones, and, and they both were making excellent saves. Moving over to the 40th minute, near, near halftime, uh, Rudy makes a uh, poor clearance to Demmer by. Uh, he gets a quick shot off. Farman makes another save. Um, a little bit more comfortable for him, but again, uh, a turnover leads to a shot for, for Hoffenheim. A couple minutes later, uh, Shaka on the attack this time. Slick passing, Calagiri in the box. Uh, he tries to center and appears that it hits Zuber with a handball. After persistent pleading by Hoffenheim players, it goes to VAR. So at that time, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to get a penalty here, right? Uh, no penalty. VAR says uh, it was uh, unintentional. Uh, are you good with that call? I am. Um, he didn't have a whole lot of time. He had no time really to react to it. He's going to ground. Calgary, as you said, tries to center this one in, and uh, it, it hits his torso initially and kind of rolls right. up under under his kind of in his armpit, sort of uh, on the underside of his arm, which is raised in you know position kind of over his head as he's going to ground, um, which is not which is I mean, I guess you could argue that's an unnatural position, but that's kind of what everyone does when they slide. Uh, to some extent, and uh, as I already said, it, it definitely hit his his torso first, and then bounced into his arm. And he doesn't have time to react to move his arm away, um, you know, after it hits his torso. So uh, personally, I, I'm I'm fine with that decision. It's unfortunate that you know we weren't able to get that opportunity, but um, I think Tottenham would have been justifiably uh, aggrieved if, if that had if that had stood. Blasphemy. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I thought it was uh, it hit off the body, it hit him. I didn't think it was super intentional in that in that case. So I was okay with the call. Uh, the play you just referenced a couple seconds ago, um, uh, Ochipka tries to do a lob pass to Haji Wright. As you said, Bauman comes out, knocks it away from him. Ochipka gets it, and he has a chance to take a shot at an empty net, or it seemed like an empty net. At least no 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 goalie was in the net. He opted to shoot instead of uh, instead of taking a shot. In that case, I want if, you, if the goal is out, take a shot. I mean, maybe the defender who's on the goal line uses his hand, or something happens, and you get a penalty or something. But take a shot on the empty net. I, so here's the thing: I wasn't sure what he was doing because I, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Bentleb at the top of the box, but somebody was kind of at the top of the box where he could have passed it into him, and it looked like he didn't go for that. But he also didn't go for like sort of a big like lob shot. He just yeah, kind of like yeah. lasered it. Yeah, and it it ended up kind of being this like weird no man's land type thing, um, which, yeah, did not end up uh, resulting in a goal, which was unfortunate because, uh, yeah, I mean, as good of a play as it was from, from Bauman, he was significantly out outside of his goal, and we were the one who got to that, that loose ball after he cleared it. Um, so definitely an opportunity there to, uh, to grab an easy one. Yeah, that's probably one of the few mistakes that Bauman made in this game, uh, but we could not take advantage of that, unfortunately. Um, going to halftime uh, by that scoreline, Jack... To me, I thought there's two players that stood out for me. Um, Zuber for Hoffenheim and obviously Ralph Fairman for Schalke. Both players, uh, really, Zuber kind of made this Fairman stand up and, and play well because if he didn't, it would have been, been all Hoffenheim in the first half uh, with some of the shots he was taking. Uh, but both players really playing well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, I mean, one of the players who stood out to me, though, was, was 
burst out and probably for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, I mean, despite getting into some some dangerous positions, missed missed a number of of chances, a couple of them very good chances, and then also um, it seems like he I, I tweeted this out, but it seems like he does this at least once a game. There was there was some opportunity I forget when it was, um, but it was that it was definitely in the first half where. Um, <clears throat> He has the ball sort of right side of the box and, and cuts inside um, kind of around his defender. And he has Nabil Bentaleb across from him wide open. He would have basically half a net open to shoot from. And Bergstaller tried to go and take the shot himself, which was, in my opinion, um, yeah. the, the wrong decision, clearly. And Bentaleb was was furious about it. And I, f- I feel like that particular image of like Bentaleb or Harit just exasperated at uh, a lack of a pass from Bergstaller. I feel like I see that literally every game um and <laughs> i mean eventually one of those is going to get crossed over and we're going to get a goal from it but uh yeah burkstar sometimes choosing the wrong moments to, to have a go yeah but uh i agree 100 there's a couple times where he should have passed it off and maybe that's a striker's mentality where you know hey, i got i'm the goal scorer i gotta take a shot but as, as times like that where bentaleb was wide open and could have gotten that goal uh, you should be making that kind of pass the one thing i thought burkstar did quite well in this one is he looked like a coach on the field, in particular for Haji Wright. Um, you can see him gesturing during the game, you know, when to press, uh, when to lay off. Um, you know, he'll criticize the player, but also, you know, give him, you know, applaud him when he does something well. Um, that was good to see as far as, you know, a mentor, mentoring aspect uh, between Burke Steller and Haji Wright because um, that's what you want. That's what, that's what you want from one of your leaders is, you know, you got a young player on the pitch, you know, try to push him to, to do better. Uh, but also, you know, applaud him when he does things well. So I thought that was good for Haji Wright's standpoint and Bergstaller. No, that's actually a really good point by you. And I, now that you say that, I actually do remember that taking place. There was a number of moments where you could see that Bergstaller was gesticulating to Haji Wright and directing him on where he should be and what positions he should take up. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe it would have been better if he didn't have to do that <laughs> to Haji and Haji was maybe in the positions <laughs> he wanted him to be in. Maybe not the best reflection on Haji, but you love to see that leadership from, from Bergstaller trying to communicate. Um, uh, and that's, that's I mean, critical to uh, success on the pitch anytime. So um, hopefully, uh, you know, that was, that was helpful to, to Haji, right. And, and, you know, this game, I mean, it, what, what was your overall opinion of, of his first half? Of uh, Bergstaller's? No, of, of Haji Wright's first half. There was not much that he did. I mean, obviously, he, I think he did well, actually, on the play that Bauman came out and, and, and forced it to a Chipka, who, who should have shot. Um, I thought I thought Haji Wright did well to press it and not like lay off. Some players, especially the new players, if they see a, a ball going into the air and, and the goalie's going for it, he's not getting it, he's going to go away from it and let him take an easy play. But he was there. He he, had, he was definitely integral in, in that turnover there. Um, he had some good, good chances here and there, but uh, there was nothing really that stood out. That said, like, oh, he uh, he's ready for the he's ready for the limelight now. It, it's still a work in progress, uh, for sure. Uh, but there was uh, there were some moments of glimpses, uh, some glimpses there that we thought, okay, hey, uh, there is a player in there. He needs to be a little bit more physical. He's got the body, but he just got knows how to use it now. Um, I thought that was lacking. Speed speed was decent. It wasn't Embolo speed, but not many people have that. And some of the hold up play was pretty good. But yeah, his name wasn't really mentioned too much, other than you know us looking for him and. and Hoping he does something well. See, I kind of disagree with someone in the sense that I, I guess I feel like, I mean, first of all, he wasn't he wasn't very involved, and, and whether or not that was on him or on the team to some extent, right? Um, I, I guess I have to go back and, and really watch with trying to keep a super sharp eye on him. Although you could say that Bergstaller was getting involved, so I'd probably err on the side of that. Harry Red just wasn't doing what he needed to do to make himself available. <clears throat> 
for his teammates. But um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy that doesn't have you know crazy speed or anything. And we saw that a couple of times. But to me, the, what he needs to do in that situation that is, you know, if you don't have the speed where you know you receive a pass and you can't blow by people or whatever, then you need to be better with your hold up play. Because if, yeah. if if you can't advance the ball, then you need to make sure you have you, you give your teammates an opportunity to catch up to your position on the pitch so you can lay it off to them. And I, I didn't feel like he did a good enough job doing that. There were a number of opportunities where somebody you know found him on a through ball or something, and he lost possession or wasn't able you know wasn't able to find the team enough. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, I mean, I'm not going to be too hard on him. It's his first Bundesliga start ever. Um, you know. You know, this is a huge step up from where he's playing normally, which I think is what, like the fifth division. Um, So uh, it it was always going to be a difficult. I mean, he's on the road at Hoffenheim, which is a good team. It's a very difficult position to be put in. I think, you know, overall, he quitted himself fairly well. I mean, he he didn't make any like, you know, massive like mistakes or anything for the most part. But um, yeah, I I would have, I would just was hoping to see a little bit more out of him, hoping to see him get on the end of, you know, maybe a chance or something. But, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully he still gets some opportunities here and there. I mean, obviously, I think ideally we'd all like to see, um, you know, our main guys get healthy and get some yeah. starts. But uh, hopefully, that's not the last we see of Hodge, right? Is what I'll say. I think, I think he potentially has a has a role um, to contribute. And I think really you got to give some credit to Nagelsmann too for scouting Haji Wright and and putting Adams on him mostly all the game. Adams has terrific speed for a defender. Um, he was beating Hajar to any of the loose balls in there and out muscle him on certain plays. Um, and also you had the captain uh, Falk, who was also uh, showing him the business too. So yeah, it's it's gonna be hard when you're playing against um, uh, better defenders. But uh, yeah, overall I thought it was it was for the whole team at least it was, it was a, a better first half. It started out very very slow on the back foot as you expect on the road, but they um, they did well to to recover from that. Um, starting in the second half. Uh, it started. It started pretty early, really, in the 51st minute. Uh, Kajarabek crosses into the box. Um, it's really Caligiri and two players for Hoffenheim, and he clears it away with just a toe uh, on his uh, left foot. I guess it was. Had he missed that, I think it was Belfodil who was in the back door. It would have been a wide open back door tap in goal. Uh, but he fully stretched out to make that save, Jack. Um, that was uh, treacherous defending there by the team. Caligari getting pulled way deep and central into the box, which is not a position we see him taking nope. up all that often. I don't know if that was just because of the lack of that third, you know, CB that Caligari was having to do, having more defensive responsibilities, um, you know, kind of deep in the heart of the action. But uh, yeah, he definitely in the right place at the right time there. Took up an excellent position, and and uh, I don't know if he saved a goal, but he definitely saved what would have been a pretty um, significant chance for Hoffenheim with with a chance, you know, like a one on one shot there on the back post. So again, we're going to bring up the referees on the 56th minute. Um, there was a play in the box. Uh, chaos ensues, right? There's Haji Wright's back there. Uh, I think Demmer Bay. Uh, it's Demmer Bay, or I forget who it was. Um, Ochipka's involved. Um, they call a penalty, and then they go to VAR. VAR confirms it's a penalty. Um, did you agree with that call? No, this is this is absolute horseshit. To be honest. Um, part of my French. So what happens on this is um, <clears throat> often I have possession in around the final third. Um, ball gets kind of like wide left, uh, crossed in. I think it's Ochipka that heads it out um, to the edge of the box where I believe it was Belfodil actually that picked it up. And uh, he takes an yes, initial... Yes, it was. Yes, it was. He, he takes an initial shot that is blocked by... Is it Haji Wright? Is it Haji Wright? Okay. Um, that is blocked by... 
Haji right, and this ball goes back and hits Belfadil on the arm. Yep. And his arm is high, like more than a 90-degree angle away from his body. Um, <clears throat> it, but the ball, you know, kind of stays in front of him, and then he, you know, shoots it again um, w- once he received it back, and this ball then hits Bastion Ochipka's arm, which is not completely at his side, but is less than a 90 degree angle, you know, like straight away. It's not like his arm is like high and his arms, his arms not straight out. His arm is relatively close to his side. It's clearly not intentional that his arm is in that position. It's not an unnatural position at all, in my opinion. And he has no time to react to this because it's like a laser that's hit right in front of him. I think this is a horrible call. Um, it's absolutely I mean, I, I just, I, I don't understand it. And the, and the thing is, they don't even, the ref doesn't even go and look at it. Um, I, I mean, you can tell that he's clearly communicating with, with the, with the video uh, official, but you know, the first, the first instance earlier in the match where, where Schalke is awarded the penalty and gets reversed, the referee goes and looks at it and they won't even exactly. go and look at it in this situation. And to me, it, it's quite clear that like, if anything, it's a handball on Belfadil, although I wouldn't necessarily even, you know, claim that because I don't think he had a whole lot of time to react to it, but his arm was in a far more natural position than, then Bastion of Chipkins is it's it, it, plain and simple. It's it's an awful decision, and I don't see how it was made. Um, I mean, maybe there's some nuance in the rules that I'm not understanding, but um, it's to to me, his arm's not in an unnatural position, and he has no time to react to it, and it's not intentional. I don't see how that's given as a penalty. And uh, um, you know, all due respect to our you know friend Phil Bonney, um, but he, you know that both commentators seem to be sort of in support of it, and I, I could not disagree more strongly. What what did what did you make of it? Well, I guess you didn't get the article. Uh, you didn't get the rule book. Because Article One Thirty Seven Point Two, uh, any infringement against Schalke is a penalty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent what you are saying. It's because um, when, when the ball hits Belfodil in the arm, you see like every, almost every Schalke player raise their hand for a handball. Um, and as Belfodil is on his knees, who takes a laser shot, like you said, two feet away from a Chipka, whose arms are at his side for the most part. I mean, it's not touching it, but it's down there. It's in a natural position, like you said. It hits him. It looks like it's unintentional, hundred percent. And why they didn't want, why they didn't go to the VAR, I don't understand. I mean, they obviously were in communication with them. What what Cologne saw, I don't know. Um, but I thought that was a that was a BS call for sure. Um, I thought they were just having it had it for us at, at that moment, um, giving a penalty. And of course, uh, Kramerich is going to step up and he's going to score his fifth goal in five games. Um, I was pissed off when that happened. I said, "Come on, are you kidding me?" Uh, I had to walk out of the room because I was screaming at the TV. Uh, that that was, I agree, hundred percent, totally BS call. No, I forget. You I mean I, I don't speak German personally, so I'd have to. I, I could have gotten the translation of this wrong, but I, I feel like I saw a quote from Nagelsmann after the match where he was also in agreement with us that like he didn't understand why that was called because Ochipka clearly didn't have his arm out or anything. I'd have to double check that, but um, yeah, just to. I mean, it, I was I was pretty furious at that point, to be to be totally honest, because this is exactly the kind of thing that you can't have happen. Um, you know, Schalke struggled this season. Um, you know, we're on the road against a tough opponent, trying to get um, you know a result, and, and you have just a just a what to me seemed just like a blatantly awful call made, very disappointing. Um, not to shirk full responsibility from Schalke, there is one thing I would like to mention here, and I'm actually going to go after Haji Wright for a second. Um, here we go. Here we go, folks. Jack's going to get broken record time. Um, lazy ball watching. So <laughs> uh, we talked about how Belfadil at the beginning of this whole sequence is kind of right around the edge of the box or so. Um, 
Haji Wright and one other player are like super far back, but once this ball goes kind of deeper into the box on the left side before it gets crossed, they're kind of standing there walking around just watching it. And in my opinion, they need to be jumping in front of the players on the edge of the box because if there's a rebound or something, those guys are wide open and have an opportunity, and that's exactly what ended up happening. Now, Haji Wright ended up diving in at the last second to try to like block it, but um, if they make an effort to actually put a body on somebody and, and get in front of it, you know, maybe that entire sequence that leads to the penalty doesn't end up taking place. So, um, I mean, it's, it's Haji Wright's first game. I'm not going to call him out specifically. And that would be a very deep position for, for a striker. Maybe it should have been somebody else on Schalke in that position. But uh, once again, it just it's hard not to notice these trends. There, there's, there's periods of time where there's people that are just unmarked. And it, it's not a matter of um, you know a, a player being pulled in the wrong direction or anything. It's just there's a couple people that are just standing around and, and not making an effort to, to, to put a body on somebody. Couldn't agree anymore. He needs to do more. He actually started the game actually fairly well defensively trying to help out. Uh, but as the game wore on, you could see he was there was a moment of lapses there, and hopefully he learns from this. It's a it's a learning tool. Considering the game ended in a draw, before this game, Schalke had gone down seven times first in a game, and all seven times they had lost. So this wasn't boding well uh, to go down already, because uh, had it been last year, it would have been, been a different story. But this year, it seems when we go down, we stay down. Um, so. That considered, uh, Schalke, I thought, reacted fairly well after this. I think they kind of woke up. In the 67th minute, Caligiri, uh, he passed to Bergstaller, who's uh, at the edge of the box or inside the box. He crosses back in. Uh, he finds Serdar, who has a great opportunity. Uh, he's screaming for him to take a shot. He did. Uh, but that guy, Adams, the defender, again, uh, he gets he, he's a, makes a big deflection, uh, forces the shot wide. Um, I thought that was the moment that Serdar had there to get – I was open, shoot far post, shoot far post, and he, he curls it. It was going on target, but uh, Adams got in the way. If it's the play I'm thinking of, yeah, it's an excellent late run from Suat Serdar, who overall I thought had a, a fairly quiet day um, yeah. once again, which kind of is a trend for him this season. Um, you know, a player that was very promising in Mainz hasn't really replicated that so far for us. But um, uh, yet another example of, of Schalke getting the ball in wide areas and good things happening as a result of that, if we can keep that up going forward, I think I think our outlook is a lot more promising because um, we've definitely picked up that sort of play um, recently in the season, and it's definitely resulted in a much more dangerous-looking attack for us. While I thought the game was getting more even and even sort of favor and tip towards the Schalke side, uh, if you look at the shots through the first 70 minutes, Hoffenheim, Hoffenheim had something like 18 shots, and Schalke only had seven. A big disparity there in the in the shots there, but then I thought the the play of the game or the moment of the game where it really switched into Schalke's direction uh, was when 70th minute when um, Tedesco made two substitutions. Uh, he brought on Weston McKinney for Swat Serdar and Benjamin Stambouli for Haji Wright. Uh, the American McKinney went up to the top uh, alongside Burksaller for most of it, so he it was good to see him up there. Berksaller will continue to do his mentoring ways, even with even with McKenney in this one. But uh, uh, yeah, so it, he had a little bit more grit into this one. With you got you know a little little pit bull and and McKenney and then Stabuli to a little sure up the defense there. And I thought from that moment on, Jack, things started going Schalke's way. They started creating more opportunities, uh, trying to get that uh, the equalizer. Well, first of all, if you would have told me before the season started that Haji Wright would be substituted off from a striker position for Weston McKenney to go play striker, <laughs> I would have told you that you were high. 
and asked you what drugs you were on. I mean, I could have never predicted that in a million years. Not that I never thought that Haji would get an opportunity this season, but just that, um, you know, one American would get subbed off for the other and that Weston McKinney would once again be playing up top second time this season. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's crazy. But no, I, I think you're absolutely right. It, it affected the game. Uh, positively, I thought McKinney was bright. He did some decent things tracking back um, defensively uh, as well, but brought pace and energy. And um, it was interesting seeing him come in as a sub in this one, as opposed to seeing him start from the beginning. Because um, sometimes when, when, when you know you bring a sub on, it, it's a lot easier to see the impact someone's having on the match, rather as that you know, as opposed to them starting it from the beginning. Um, and to me. He just he he popped off the screen the second he came on. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and it, I I wonder if it's because he gets turned to a game where people or the other players are getting more tired, and he's got full energy. When he starts a game of full energy, he just blends with everybody else, and yeah, he does some great stuff. But he's even more of an impact when he comes on when other people are tired and and, and plays the way he normally does. Because then he looks like uh, he's shot out of a cannon there. Yeah, I mean, fair point. Could just be a, like a fresh legs thing, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was excellent substitutions. Um, I'm not surprised that Haji had gotten taken off. He didn't do a whole lot today, and um, yeah, Weston McKinney is back from from whatever injury he was he was uh, holding on to. So that was that was excellent to see as well. Well, how would you rate overall Haji Wright's performance in this one? Um. I mean, I, I was hopeful for a little bit more from him. Um, I I don't think I would say that he. Uh, severely disappointed me because I didn't really expect uh, a ton out of him. I mean, yeah, like I said, I was, I was hopeful that maybe by some stroke of luck, he'd get on the end of some great chance or something and have an opportunity on goal. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just honestly didn't, didn't really affect the game anyway. He wasn't really completing a whole lot of passes. wasn't getting into a lot of dangerous areas. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, to be, to be totally honest, um, based on that performance, I think, I think I'd rather Franco DeSanto probably just because, um, you know, at least if you're going to have somebody that's going to not affect <laughs> the offense in the way that Haji Wright didn't affect it, um, you know, you have somebody like Haji Wright that I think is going to, I mean, uh, DeSanto that's going to have a a stronger work rate and is going to do more things in the pricing game and, and helping, uh, you know, build the attack than, than Haji did. So, um, yeah, I mean, but once again, I don't think anyone can be really disappointed with that performance from Haji Wright. It's his first career game. Um, I mean, first career starter, I should say. Um you know, it's still still a very young player. He's still 20 years old. I mean, he's got a lot of time to grow and, and get better. And uh, this was a tough situation to be put in. And uh, overall, I think he, he acquitted himself fairly well, but he didn't necessarily do anything that's going to uh, make you say that he absolutely has to be involved in the in, in the future going forward. Yeah, it wasn't like a brace from Skripsky in his first game. And like, oh, yeah, he's gotta exactly. Be exactly. Um, so... We said that substitutions made an impact in the game, and just three minutes after substitutions were made, Alessandro Shop would find a streaking Caligiri in the box. Uh, he gets clipped by Bukacic. Uh, penalty call. Uh, first off, you okay with this call? No, I'm not, actually. Um, uh, there, there's one angle that I saw that looked like there was absolutely no contact at all. And there was another angle where it looked like there may have been a slight clip on his left leg or something, but at most it is a grazing contact, and it kind of looked like Caligari went down intentionally um, once he felt it. It, it. it looked like a contact that was not going to bring him down, that he just kind of let bring him down. Um, and once again, I'm not even 100% sure there was contact. I mean, to me that was kind of a harsh call for Hoffenheim too. 
Um, so I mean, if they had let that one go, I wouldn't have been particularly upset about it. Um, I think I think it's arguably another poor decision from the ref. I'm interested in hearing what you have to say about it in a second. But um, let me first just say um, that is the second time in a couple matches now um, that uh, Caligari has done this where he's running at a defender and he kicks it around the right side of the defender and runs around the left yeah. and just blows by him. And it is poetry in motion, my friend. He did that against Nuremberg last week, I believe, um, oh, on Skripsky's second, right before he yeah. cut it back. And, uh, I mean, this is a, this is a American football reference, so this is more for our, uh, <laughs> our, our USA followers than anybody else. But, I mean, he looks like Gale Sayers when he does yeah. that. He's just absolutely gliding past people. It's beautiful to watch. So, um, love seeing that aggressive play from, from Caligari. He absolutely smoked the defender there. You, he doesn't have he has deceptive speed kind of like Gil Sayers and uh you when you look when you see him running you're like okay he's nothing special but when when he's got the ball and he's going charging out the defenders he just flies past people and you're like where is the speed coming from uh so that's great to see but um I will disagree on one one notion I thought that had the penalty not been called I would have been pissed off because they got a bogus penalty uh for the goal Early on in the game, with Kramer scored, so I thought Schalke were justified in getting one. But with that said, okay, but like in a vacuum, if, if that if that first bad decision against Schalke hadn't been called, how would you have been? How would you have felt if that one hadn't get, hadn't gotten called? Right. Well, with that said, I think it was a BS call. Um, I think I, Kalajuri did get clipped in the left foot, but his reaction was late, and it was he dove afterwards, is what I thought. Um, so had they not called it, I would have been. I, if it was if that first play didn't happen, you're just looking at that one play. I would have been fine. It's not, as, you know, it's a no call. But I was still pissed off from the earlier call, so I wanted justice for that. But yeah, I agree with that. I think it was. I think it was justice in terms of the overall context of the match for sure. Yeah, because neither team really deserved those penalties. I think. Yeah. Um, but there, like I said, there was contact between Bikacic and 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 Kalajiri, But the, the reaction by Kalajiri was delayed, and he you could when you're watching the replay, maybe it looks easier on replay, but it looked like he he gets tripped and then a couple takes a couple steps and is like, oh, I should go down and falls down. And then the penalty's called, and so I'm like, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I would, you know, in 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 an ideal world, that wouldn't have been a call to penalty, and neither would it have been the Ochepko play, and it would have been zero zero or something, or maybe there would have been goals the other way. But the way the way the game shaped out, I think it was it was fair because I don't think Schalke deserved to be down one nothing at that point, and and you know Hoffenheim, they it sucked for them because they gave up a gave up penalty as well. So obviously Bentaleb steps up as Phil Bonney kind of preluded to early before the game. Uh, he finishes finishes as he always does in regulation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the shootout goal, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but no, two two penalties converted in in the space of one week for for yeah. Nabil Bentaleb, and he has not missed um, from the penalty spot in you know outside of a penalty shootout, obviously, um, all season long. So he continues to be Nabil Pentaleb, an absolute uh-huh. um, you know just you. Know, it's a great feeling having that much confidence when somebody steps up. Because honestly, I'm not that nervous whenever he takes a penalty. Are you? No, and I can pretty much say that about. There's a lot of guys I'm confident with, but he's by far the most confident. Um, Caligari, I'm pretty confident with. Uh, who are those? Uh, Berg, Stahler, uh some of the other guys. But you know, Bentaleb steps up. So I'm like, all right, this is a goal. I can. I, I'll, I'll put some money down. There's like big name players for. I mean, for clubs that aren't shock, obviously. But there's like big name players that are you know superstar players that I'm. This is not good. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot penalties. of I mean, like Ronaldo's not good at it. Pogba, I mean, there's, there's there, yeah, there's a lot of people that I feel like when I watch them, I'm not nearly as confident as I am when when Ben Taleb's taking a penalty. So that that so that certainly says something, and he's been he's been phenomenal on those, and we've needed every single one of those that we've gotten this year for sure. 
all 27 by him uh, in the last two years. <laughs> uh, so there's a couple of plays I want to reference in this game because I thought there were some excellent plays that resulted from him. A few minutes after the goal um, by uh, Ben Taleb, um, it was like a 77th minute or so, a ball finds Ochipka wide. Uh, he tries to make some moves inside the box. He takes a shot. It gets blocked, goes out to the top of the box, and Bentaleb again one time volleys it, uh, forcing Bauman to make an ex- I mean, a spectacular save, really, is what it was. Um, that that play was unbelievable by Bauman. Um, and then in the ensuing corner kick, uh, McKinney gets a chance with a goal for a goal, and his header is also saved by Bauman. So Bauman, uh, you know, playing really well, keeping his team in it. Well, I mean, well, for, first of all, real quick, I mean. Um, that goal seemed to do wonders for. I mean, we were playing a little bit better before that, but once that goal came, this this game became all Schalke, in my opinion. Yeah, and we were we were pushing on for the win, which I really loved to see. Trying to, you know, I mean, given the position in the table, um, you know, I know we're on the road, but I really love to see us going for it. But uh, uh, credit credit to Bentaleb on that attempt because he was moving backwards, sort of because of the angle the ball was approaching him at, he kind of had to like step back to even get a shot off. And for him to get that kind of power and placement from that weird off-balance body position is is, uh, is a phenomenal effort for him, and it's an even better save from Bauman. And then uh, Weston McKinney, as we said, very bright when he came on and, and came up in excellent contact, made a laser of a header. Unfortunately, he hit it just directly center of the goal, which is right where Bauman was standing. Um, and if that had gone probably anywhere else, it's a goal, because I don't think Bauman even really knew anything about that like it just came directly to him and suddenly was in his hands and he was like oh i you know i caught it so um but uh i love to see you know once once again i love to see the spirit in the team when things aren't going their way and and they keep fighting despite that they get they get the reward with with the penalty then they they push on on the road and try to get a result that was that was very positive to see i agree 100 percent it it did it seemed like vintage shalko or at least vintage shalko from last year where uh end of the games were really strong going for the kill or either the draw or the win, and uh, so it was it was exciting stuff, positive stuff to see from the boys. Um, just before the end of the game, uh, Hoffenheim did have a penalty in the 94th minute, fourth minute of stoppage time. Sitting there, you got to think, okay, this is going to be the moment that they're going to score. Demarbi, Demarabi, uh, however you say his name, he uh, he he's an excellent free kick taker. He takes a free kick. Uh, Jolinton gets a flick on it. Uh, Fairman with a huge save at the end of the game, basically at the death, um, preserves the draw 1-1. The game would end that scoreline, but uh, you had to have been a nervous wreck when you saw that uh, Demarabi uh, stepping up for a free kick. Yeah, that would have been a pretty cruel ending to the uh, to the match if that's the way that one had uh, had ended with that going in. But, um, you know, especially given the fact that it looked like Schalke had so many opportunities to score late and, and put that one away. It would have been kind of similar to the uh, the Wolfsburg match earlier in the season to some extent when it looked like Schalke had had the upper hand at, at one point and then gave away the lead late. Um, but, uh, yeah, luckily Fairman was was massive, um, you know, all, all week for us and, and came up again there. So the game ends 1-1. Uh, overall, you got to say it's a good point for Schalke because you're, you're against, you know, one of the top teams in the league. You're at their home um, considering the injuries you have in the attack and, and the lineup. You get 1-1, you get 1-1 draw, and you really played really well at the end of the game. Um I, it's a good, a good road, good road draw to me. Yeah, and it actually, despite only gaining one point, it actually jumped us up at least at the time. I think three spots, all the way up to eleventh now with uh, with Bayer Leverkusen uh, getting a draw against Nuremberg uh, today. They've moved back in front of us, so now we're 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 down to twelfth from eleventh. But yeah. Um, 
you know, it, we've said it every week. Um, what is it? Uh, six points off of seventh place right now. I mean, that's that. I mean, that's that's. It's not like one point or anything, but that's two quick results, and you're you're in a position to uh, be within striking distance of Europe right there. So, um, you know, the table is still fairly compact for the most part, except for Dortmund way out in front at, at 33 points, which we don't like to see. But, um, yeah, definitely a good positive uh, result on the road. Uh, oftentimes, oftentimes a good team with a, with an excellent manager, um, and and to go on the road and uh, you know fight through some adversity and pick up a point, I think is uh, definitely a good outcome. It's funny. Uh, I'm looking at my score app right here, and I'm lo- I wanted to see the formation, how they had it, and they were just as confused as all of us. So they had obviously they had Fairman in goal, but from there they had uh, Salif Sane at right back. Well, I hope Sausage they had Fairman in goal. Yeah, Sane at right back, Nasasic and Ochipka at center back, Rudy at left back, Kalajiri as defensive midfielder, Serdar and Bentaleb as the uh, wing backs, and then Schoff as a central attacking midfielder with right and Bergsteller up top. I don't know what app you're using, but you need to delete it and burn it because it's. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> it is bad. Uh, but uh, since I got the lineup here, uh, let's, let's look at some of the guys and, and how we rated them in this game. Uh, Fairman obviously is going to be the, the highest rated player for me. Is he the highest rated player for you in this game? Yeah, maybe. Probably him or Caligari, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I got you that. Uh, Caligari uh, obviously having another back to back. Caligari, I should say. Sorry, there I got it again. Yeah. My bad. Uh, My bad. Yeah. Uh, Domenico Tedesco. Domenico yeah, yeah, Tedesco. Yeah. Ah, see, I got to say it too. <laughs> we both need to work on that. Um, how about this? Rudy, how did you feel he did? I thought he did better than than last week when I was pretty critical of him. But um, I still didn't think he was great. Uh, and made a couple couple mistakes too. We talked about the bad clearance earlier. I think there was one or two other two moments I, I recall as well. Um, really, just still hasn't quite lived up to the billing that he had coming into um, this season with us. You know, the, the big the big purchase that he was in the transfer market. I had higher hopes from him than what he's performed so far. But um, definitely improvement on his on his previous performance. I think this might have been his best game in a Schalke jersey, but that doesn't really. Say much. It doesn't say much. Um, I thought he had a, he had a couple of mistakes in this one, but I thought as the game went on, he got stronger and and started making some positive passes at the end of the game when Schalke were really going at going after Hoffenheim. He didn't have the greatest of first half. He wasn't very noticeable. He did make some mistakes, yes, um, but this is one of the few times we've seen him make some positive plays in in games uh, for Schalke, and I thought it was a, po- a slightly positive sign for me, and I'll take it any way I can get with him if he can start going in the right direction. Okay. Uh, we already talked about Serdar not having the greatest of games. Um, how about Alessandro Schoff? He's a little quiet in this one. Yeah, both him and Serdar, I thought were were relatively anonymous in this one. It didn't make their presence felt. But this is this is sort of an unnatural position from for Schoff to some extent, um, yeah. with how central and compact he was. So uh, I don't know if I'm going to judge him too harshly for not making maybe making the impact on the game that he normally makes. And then uh, you got to like Burksteller's work ethic and get in the right place, but he needs to work well on his finishing, uh, especially if a big game like uh, the Revere Derby coming up. Yeah, I mean, trend for the whole team though this season is you know uh, not really having the shooting boots on, but um, yeah, at least he was on the end of some opportunities early on. So you got to give him some credit for for getting into the right positions. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, he had a couple opportunities to put us ahead. <clears throat> Pardon me, there's the cold acting up uh, to put us ahead early, and didn't it didn't really take those. Absolutely. So now that game's done with. We move up to 11th temporarily, went to 12th, like Jack said. 
Uh, but we have a big revered derby up ahead uh, next weekend. Um, and since we're looking ahead, uh, again, we're going to mention that you know Shaka's next viewing party is for the Revere Derby in Columbus, Ohio. Um, you can join Irwin Shaka US at the event. Um, perhaps Jack, you going to be there? I am. Um, unless what? for some reason this, this cold Breaking gets worse. News. Yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna. I, I I should be making an appearance. Hopefully, I'm going to drive out from the uh, Chicago area where I am. It's going to be a nice six hour drive on a Friday. But I'm going to try to uh, make it to Columbus and make an appearance. And uh, so, if we have any listeners that are out in Columbus, I would love to meet you. If you see me, come say hi for sure. Um, but yeah, but I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be at uh, Land Grant Brewing. Um, Bright and early, uh, even though this is the River Derby, this is not like the you know the top spiel at eleven thirty or anything. That's going to be, I think it's an eight. What is it? Uh, Eastern time, nine thirty kickoff, right? So yeah, one of the earlier earlier matches. But um, anybody in the general Columbus area, definitely make sure you come out. Um, should be should be an awesome event. Um, watch you know one of the biggest matches of the season with uh, your the rest of your Schalke supporters in your area. Should be a good time. If you're on the East Coast, you should need to go out there and, and go visit Zach and go visit Irwin, go visit Chaka, uh, and support the boys uh, for this big game. I, I cannot make it, unfortunately, but uh, I'll be there in spirit. So um, I'm sure uh, you'll have a fun time out there. And uh, there's plenty of beer, plenty of free, there's a free breakfast, too. So uh, keep that in mind as well. So, Chaka fans, what did you make against our match against Hoffenheim? Let us know about it at SO4 Podcast on Twitter. Hi, ich bin Margot, FC Schalke 04, und das ist mein neues Wohnzimmer. All right, so, as we just said, the Riviera Derby is coming up. Let's do a quick preview on that one. Uh, the game will be at Velton's Arena. Um, heading into this game, Schalke are in 11th spot, or 12th, actually, I should say, on 14 points. Dortmund sit at the summit with 33 points. Uh, Jack, in this kind of game, uh, this kind of derby, records don't matter, right? It's it's all about the the passion, and, and you just throw all those records at the window, and and it's a it's a tough game. I mean, it's a cliche that some people kind of roll their eyes out, um, roll their eyes at, but um, I, I think I, I guess I'd like to be optimistic and agree with that in this case, just because Dortmund's significantly better than this this season. So I guess I'm hoping <laughs> that form goes out the window. But um, I mean, we we saw it last year. I mean, uh, you know, even though we finished second place um uh, there's there's some people that would have you know definitely argued that uh, when when we had that first encounter in november with dortmund last year that overall they had been the better side to that point and um you know it ended up being one of the one of the great matches maybe in the history of the bundesliga that 4-4 so um yeah I, you know it's it's one of the great rivalries in all of world soccer really not just german soccer and not just european soccer world soccer and uh uh, I'm looking forward to it, and it's it's definitely going to require um, Schalke to, to to step up their class and and show up in a big way on a big stage because Dortmund have then been you know absolutely fantastic this season, leading leading the league, uh, 33 points I believe. Um, how far are they there over the what is it? 11, no, okay, it's only nine. I take that back. But nine points ahead of Bayern Munich through 13 games. Who would have thought good. that? But um, I mean, it's it's completely deserved. They've been playing. Yeah, right. Good. I, I wish it wasn't Dortmund, but I'm glad it's not Bayern right. Munich. Right. <laughs> um, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, Jaden Sancho, phenomenal young talent, um, English international coming through. Um, Axel Witzel, um, who I talked about, you know, preseason as being a big difference maker, has absolutely been that. He's been phenomenal. Marco Royce is healthy and playing well. Pekla Asaser, uh up top. Dortmund's finally seemed like they actually might have a legitimate solution at striker, which is something that we didn't think they were, might, might have going into the season. And um, obviously, from the American perspective, Christian Pulisic, I would be surprised if we don't see him at some point as well. So uh, a lot to look forward to and a very dangerous Dortmund team that we're going to be facing. And hopefully we can uh, knock them off their perch a little bit and gain some ground. That's right. Um, and if we look at the last five matches and in in, for each of these teams, so Schalke, the last five, um, obviously they just had a 1-1 draw against Hoffenheim, lost to Porto in the Champions League at 3-1, beat Nuremberg last weekend uh, 5-2. Uh, they did have a friendly against Zenit, which they lost 2-1, but that's insignificant. Um, and obviously the the hurtful loss to Eintracht three uh, nothing. Dortmund's last five uh, this weekend they won two nothing at Freiburg. Uh, they had a zero zero draw at Champions League uh, this week against Bruges, uh, but they really didn't have a strong strong lineup. Um, they beat Mainz last weekend two to one. They they won a friendly against a lot. Um, well, not a friendly. It's a DFB Pokal match that they won three nothing. And then they also beat Bayern three two on um, the tenth of November. If you look at the the last head-to-head between these two teams, um, it's pretty similar, really, if you look at it. Um, so Schalke obviously won uh, back in April last year, 2 nothing in that Thunder goal by Naldo. Uh, you mentioned the epic game 4-4 back in November last year. You go back to April of the year before that, Dortmund-Schalke with a 1-1 draw. Uh, and then also back in October that same year, it was a 0-0 draw. And then April, the, the season even before that, 2-2. So... A lot of draws in this one, other than the uh, the win last year. Nalo's got to start in this game, doesn't he? I, while I love Sane and I love Nastasic, I got I want to see Naldo back in this lineup because he's the one thing that's really been missing for me in this lineup. And I don't know what reason it is that Tedesco doesn't have him starting. Maybe saving for the rest of the season, or maybe it's a, a niggling injury. But Naldo needs to play. He need because he we need him for the aerial threat, but also for to shore up the back. <sighs> Man, I, I don't. Uh... Like I want to agree with that, and part of that's just sort of the emotional response of how big he was for us in these derby matches last season. Um, he, he had, as you said, he hasn't played a whole lot this year, and I mean, I if he had had a you know a run of matches the last couple of weeks playing a little bit more consistently, then maybe I would feel a little bit better about it that he's kind of up to the speed and and, and ready to go. But um, you know, given that he hasn't played a whole lot this year, I think throwing him into a match like this actually might be asking quite a lot from him. Maybe I'm underestimating him, and maybe I should. Maybe I might be being unfair, and maybe I should give him the benefit of the doubt. But I just think that that's that's tough, man. And I can't see um, Tedesco maybe dropping Salif Sane, who's played basically almost every minute for us this season. Um, you know, if if he's healthy, I think he's probably going to be included. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but. Um, yeah, I mean, if he does start, then obviously we're going to hope that he's going to be able to replicate some of that, that derby magic from last season because he was immense, to say the least. Yeah, it seems like the only opportunities he's really played this year during like Champions League games and stuff like that, or, or a DFB Pokal game, not that, not really the league games as much. So it uh, should be interesting uh, in this one. I mean, what's he played, like like five matches maybe? Like Maybe, yeah. He, hasn't, he really hasn't played much this it's season. It's not a lot, yeah. And I don't know what the reason is, and... He couldn't have dropped off that much uh, this year, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's it's, a, it's certainly a curious case, and um, whoever they put out there, they need to have their A game. They can't just do these uh, games like against Nuremberg, where uh, you you 
this is a far superior team than that Nuremberg team that we beat. So um, they're really going to bring up this question. team. Dortmund has a lot of pace. Uh, so maybe that's the reason why not to have Naldo in there. Uh, Sané and the sausage a little bit faster. Uh, but Caligiri is going to have to be big. Ochipka or whoever's on the left wing is going to have to be big. You need to have some of these, these playmakers like Konoplyanka or, or Harit in the game because they need it. We saw how big they were last year in these games. Uh, they, they were game changers. So uh, they need to have something to, to, to match Royce and Paco and all those guys. So um, it'll certainly be an interesting matchup. Uh, Tedesco is going to have to uh, pull out all his, uh, his chess maneuvers to get, get this one. All right, um, Schalke fans, give us your Revere Derby predictions. Use the hashtag ShalkeUS uh, for this one. Um, before we head out of here, we want to mention uh, on December 15th and 16th uh, in Atlanta, they're going to have a kick-it 3 versus 3 tournament uh, hosted by Schalke. Uh, make sure you uh, check that out on the website. Go to it if you're if you're in the southeast in the U.S. Uh, give, give, it a, give it a check out. You have a chance to... Uh, Go to Gelson Kirsten and watch Schalke live in action. So uh, it'll be fun times. Um, anything else, uh, Jack, before we wrap this one up? No, I, th- I think that's all. Yeah, but like I said earlier, uh, anyone in the Columbus area, definitely try to head to that watch party. I'm going to try to make an appearance there, and I'd love to uh, meet some of you and interact there. So it should be uh, it should be a great time. Yes, please do that. And uh, on that note, we will wrap this one up. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, and the Washington Post for tidbits on their podcast today. Uh, special shout-out to NBC, NBC for Nashville as well, as I missed that out up. NBC Norway, you almost said. NBC Norway, hey, we may have to check that out. Now, uh, <laughs> uh, make sure you sign up for the Schalke US newsletter by simply going to the team website, entering your email and address, and you will receive monthly uh, newsletters. Jack, where can our followers find you on Twitter? J.M. Mangan on Twitter, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Make sure you send us your questions every week so we can address those. Um, I don't know if we sent out a tweet this week asking for that, but, uh, yeah, we love we love uh, <clears throat> talking about the things that you want to have us discuss on here, so definitely feel free to interact with us, even if it's just criticizing my pronunciation of Daniel Caligiuri. We appreciate that as well. Uh, opportunity to, to get better for sure. So, uh, yeah, you can see me on Twitter, and I look forward to seeing you there. And you can see my comments on Domenico Tedesco uh, at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoes. Shoes.